Christians push back against drag queen story hours. Find out how on the special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Well, welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 320 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, January 12th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid in the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, there has been alarm and revulsion at the recent trend of parents taking small children to so-called drag queen story hours nationwide sometimes in libraries, sometimes in bars, but always extremely inappropriate. If you've seen any of the videos which have gone viral, you understand why. Recently, actor and evangelist Kirk Cameron has been part of a growing move to push back against this debauchery and child abuse with Christian reading events for families in public libraries in Indiana and New York. This movement is spreading across our country. Our guest today is part of this nationwide movement to push back and protect children. He's scheduled to read books on the gospel and on God's design of the sexes at the Conway Public Library in Conway, Arkansas, this Saturday at 10 a.m. Dr. Owen Strand is provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary in Conway, Arkansas. Before coming to the seminary, he served as Associate Professor of Christian Theology and Director of the Residency Ph.D. Program at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He earned his Ph.D. from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, his Master's of Divinity from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and his A.B. from Bowden College in Brunswick, Maine. He's authored numerous books, including Reenchanting Humanity, A Theology of Mankind, The Pastor as Public Theologian, Reclaiming a Lost Vision, and Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. Brother Strand is a former president of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, the former director of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and is the president of Reformanda Ministries. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, Dr. Owen Strand. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Doc. I'm doing very well. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. What did you think when you first heard about Drag Queen Story Hours, and how did you decide to get involved in this fight? 
Yeah, I heard about it a few years ago, as many of us did, and thought that it was um, a real sign of neo-paganism spreading across America. And it was very strange, of course, to many of us conservatives when David French called uh, drag queens having the ability to host these story hours a blessing of liberty. So um, a lot of us have been thinking about how to respond to this for some time. Thankfully, men like Michael Foster and Kirk Cameron and others have held what are called Pastor Story Hour uh, in recent days. And uh, some, some guys from my church in Conway, Arkansas, chatted with me and said they wanted to hold one. And so uh, we've decided to try to uh, not just curse the darkness, but uh, light a candle in our area. Now, from, my, from some of my listeners uh, who may not know who David French is, He's an American political commentator, uh, a self-professed Christian, a self-professed conservative who seems to have, uh, I don't know, gone off the rails a few years back, uh, you know, to, to uh, describe Drag Queen Story Hour, which by any objective metric is child abuse as a blessing of liberty. Uh, that had to make a lot of people scratch their heads. Well, it, it certainly did. And it, it, this has been a flashpoint uh, in the in the culture. It's very strange, frankly, Doc, because here we are talking about public libraries and innocuous, seemingly innocuous acts like reading books to children. Yeah. But that shows us how far, actually, corruption has gone in our country, that children are now being targeted as um, those to be indoctrinated in the late stages of the sexual revolution. So... I'm not viewing this as a table tennis match myself, of course. You know, it's not like if we just host enough pastor story hours at local libraries, we're going to stop the tide of darkness. But I do believe it is right to speak the truth about drag queen story hour and call it perversion, not a blessing of liberty. And then secondly, I do believe it's a very good thing for Christians who follow a Savior who said, let the little children come unto me. To, uh, to do something friendly and joyful and convictional in, uh, in the public space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are probably a number of people listening who may have never seen any of these viral videos, and they're not just um, videos of guys dressed up as women sitting there calmly reading books to children. I mean, there's a lot of dancing and salacious gyration and it's the kind of thing that, that children should never be exposed to, and I think this is one of the things that gets lost um, in, in the conversation. We're not just talking a guy dressing up as a woman uh, calmly reading stories to children in public libraries. A lot of these things are happening in, in bars that serve alcohol, for that matter, um, and it's just, uh, uh, it's just a horrendous thing. So I'm, I'm thankful that you are part of this movement nationwide to uh, to push back. What should parents expect if they decide to attend your event uh, Saturday morning at 10 at the Conway Public Library in Conway, Arkansas? Yeah, I appreciate your words there. I agree with you. Uh, they should expect that we're just going to do, again, the pretty innocuous uh, action of um, welcoming children, any children who come, anyone's welcome to come, um, and uh, then we're going to have a few words about just how Jesus uh, welcomed children to him. So we as Christians love children. Uh, we want to be a light to children. Um, we want to teach them 
the truth as best we can. And then we're just going to quickly read a couple books, um, one about how God made boys and girls for his glory, and then one about the gospel of grace, that God saves sinners like you and me by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's going to be a pretty simple program, honestly, Doc. I, I mean, these things are getting a lot of media attention, but it, it's, uh, it's not some you know, massive affair. And then we're going to hand out snacks to anyone who wants to come. Next door to us um, is uh, Inclusive Story Hour, so-called, hosted by, I believe, an organization called the Faulkner County Coalition for Social Justice. I think I got that title right. I'd never heard of them. But after we shared the word about our story hour, pastor story hour, at Conway Public Library this Saturday, they, a few days later, announced they were hosting inclusive story hour that would not be an event filled by hate like ours uh, supposedly is. The reality, Doc, quickly, we could say more about that if you want. Yeah. But the reality is there's nothing more inclusive, so to speak, rightly defined, than uh, the Christian church and the Christian gospel. We welcome everybody to hear the word of God. And if, if anyone will repent and trust in Christ, anyone can join a, a godly local church. So we are not a movement of hate. We are a movement of love, um, even as we are uh, misconstrued and attacked simply for uh, trying to be a little light in the darkness. Yeah, I noticed you had a, um, a Facebook post here saying, I appreciate prayers for this event. While not sponsored by any one organization or church, all children and families are welcome in an age marked by open rebellion against God. I pray to be a clear and kind witness of the Savior who welcomed children, who treated them with compassion and gentleness, and who said, let the little children come to me. You know, to me, it's just remarkable that someone can look at that statement and say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's hate then. You know, we got we to gotta push back against this hate. Um, to, to, what, yeah. to what do you attribute uh, this freakout by folks in your own community who think, oh, well, now we got to do our own event, you know, in the, uh, yeah. in the room next door? Yeah, I think this is the consequence of embracing neo-Marxist social justice. Uh, that's what this group is supposedly formed around. It's a coalition for social justice. That's their title. And um, they link um, being against racism with being against, um, you know, clarity on sexuality of any kind, for example, or clarity on transgender. So if you embrace um, social justice, if you embrace leftism today, as so many are in America, tragically, it's sweeping across our country as a mind virus. What you're going to end up thinking is that anybody who disagrees with you is on the side of hate. And it's really important to say this, Doc. Uh, Christians strongly disagree with people who reject Christ and his truth and the word of God. Um, and we, we know that such people are in eternal peril, just like we were in. Yeah. But we don't. It's very important to say we don't hate them. We love them. We try to be kind to them. We try to win them to the gospel. So in reality, um, social justice and uh, modern leftism is the truly exclusionary ideology. It, it leaves no room in the public square for disagreement, for common grace, 
for charity, uh, for, for civil cooperation. It, it, just, it just shuts all of that down. And that's the way things have been going in America. I wrote a book on wokeness about this in part because of this. And that's the way things are going to go. Uh, but here's the deal. You know, uh, Christ said he's going to build his church and no one can stop it. Matthew 16, 18. And so I believe in that truth. And I believe that if we stand for God's truth, like John the Baptist, um, who got beheaded for it, um, our earthly life may have some difficulty in it, but uh, we gain eternal reward for being a witness of Christ. Very well put. W- what do you believe the pastor's role should be in addressing our government's endorsement of a worldview which is so contradictory uh, of that which is set forth in Scripture? Pastors are uh, public theologians. You read the book title of a book I co-wrote some years ago, and uh, this theologian, Kevin Van Hooser, and I made the argument that pastors are public theologians, which doesn't mean they're politicians, but it does mean that every pastor is called to shape the worldview of his people, and, and that means that every pastor has to, has to speak when it's exegetically appropriate, and it frequently is, of how Caesar is not Lord. Um, Christ is Lord of the Christian and of the cosmos. And so we're especially finding ourselves in an era uh, when Caesar thinks that Caesar is Lord, and um, we have to help our people submit to the government as much as they can in these days, but also very much understand that we're in an age when tyranny has arisen again in different forms. And uh, we're not spoiling for a fight, but we are needing very much to be educated about these things and, again, to not be lured by a political gospel. You know, you mentioned when it's exegetically appropriate, and I like big words. I don't always understand them, so I looked up exegesis real quickly. (laughs) Uh, Critical explanation or analysis, especially of a text, the exposition or interpretation of any literary production or passage, more particularly the exposition or interpretation of Scripture, uh, see exegetical theology. So how do you determine when it is exegetically appropriate for a pastor uh, to address something going on um, in our society or even in our uh, political realm? That's a great question. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, for example, Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So there is a wonderful opportunity for any pastor uh, who stands upon the Scripture to do exegesis, which as that definition captured just means to um, give the meaning of that passage, to, to work off of the words and phrases of that passage and help the people understand and apply it. And so what Jesus does there in Matthew 22 is he, uh, he gives us limited government, doesn't he? Because he is, uh, he's saying there are things that do not belong to Caesar. And what that means uh, even more particularly is that Caesar is not the head of the church. So don't you dare think that Caesar owns the church, uh, governs the church, rules the church. Um, those are the things that are God's. What we saw with, with lockdowns in the last few years, for example, is that uh, Caesar acted as if Caesar had the ability, had the authority, uh, even from God, to shut down the church. Yeah. But that is an authority that no, and I do mean no, 
earthly ruler possesses. So let me ask you, um, sometimes people will appeal to the 13th chapter of the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and say, well, look, you know, right here it says you're supposed to obey uh, the emperor, and boy, I tell you what, that emperor in Rome at the time this was written was a really evil guy, uh, so they're trying to put forth the idea that, well, you know, whatever the federal government says, I guess we just pretty much have to 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 march in line. Would you say though that uh, although all Scripture is appropriate um, and and we're supposed to obey God's word, that there may be a different a different context for the American government and the um, and the Rome of the Caesars. Yeah, that's a, another very relevant and good question <laughs> for today. And what I would say is um, we obey the principle I've tried to help people understand the last few years in America and to some limited extent beyond America on my podcast called The Antithesis uh, and other places is that we, I think what Scripture is saying is we obey the government as much as possible. That's what I would say. To the fullest possible extent, Christians should obey the government and submit to their leaders. In other words, we're not anarchists in the name of Christ. Uh, we're, we're not over here saying, eh, I don't like that rule. Eh, I'm not going to obey that. You know, okay, I'll obey that one. But these six over here, nope. We fundamentally approach authority because it's given us by God uh, from a posture of obedience. But here's the deal. <laughs> As the Bible itself shows in numerous places, in the case of Daniel, in the case of Esther, in the case of Paul in Acts 22, there are places where Christians do not obey uh, what the, the governor says, the government says, because the government is asking them either to do something that is wrong or to compromise their conscience. And that those two clauses are very important, either to do something wrong or to compromise their conscience, because the, gov- the government is is taking a right for itself that it doesn't have. The government, for example, from Scripture, has no ability to tell me that I have to take a multivitamin every day. Uh, it can recommend that, but I don't. I, the government is not lord of my body. The spirit is lord of my body. So there's a lot more to say here, but those are some framing principles. So the first time I ever heard our guest today, Owen Strand, speak was something called the credo conference uh which was in faulkner county arkansas i believe in april of 2021 and it was a conference of speakers talking about uh the scriptural case for pushing back against the the woke worldview for pushing back against transgender madness for pushing back against critical race theory uh from a christian perspective and I remember thinking at the time, after hearing um, several speakers, and I think there were about 400 people there from all over central Arkansas, I remember thinking at the time um, when when one of the speakers uh, got up to explain what the listeners had been hearing, which is expository teaching and preaching. Um, A fellow named Tom Buck, uh, pastor of First Baptist Church, Lindale, Texas, was explaining what people had been hearing I remember thinking, I wonder how many of the people who have been sitting here in this one-and-a-half-day event 
uh, were wondering, why am I not hearing this kind of thing uh, at my church? And it perhaps being their first uh, interaction, uh, their first hearing of expository teaching and preaching. And I'm wondering if you can uh, perhaps address that and how crucial uh, that is, because I, I know that's the sort of thing that uh, uh, people here at uh, the church that you are a part of in Conway, Arkansas. And in the interest of full disclosure, I'm, I'm not a member of this church, but I just thought it would be a good idea uh, to put that out there and, and explain how that's very uh, central to the role of the church that you are in in Conway, Arkansas, and not only to that, but also the seminary uh, at which you teach. Yeah, thank you, Doc. You know, the Wall Street Journal has been talking about quiet quitting on the part of workers post-COVID mm. um, because they're because they're in the Zoom era and they don't have to come into the office unless they work for Elon Musk, apparently, these days. <laughs> they just sort of drop out. You know, yeah. they, they, they don't formally quit like you used to do, give your two weeks notice. Right. They just sort of stop answering email and they quietly quit. On a happier note, whatever you think of that, there's been a quiet reformation happening in America and beyond, I think. And the quiet reformation is this, people leaving churches that are woke, churches that are teaching white people that they're inherently a white supremacist, uh, churches teaching people that they need to embrace either hard or soft feminism, uh, churches uh, telling people that they can be gay or transgender and still be a Christian. All these things fall under the banner of wokeness. And as you said, because there have been uh, a handful of, of pastors and teachers who have spoken up, um, people are leaving woke churches, and they're going to churches that don't have anything fancy to say or anything new or particularly even profound in a philosophical sense, but they're just preaching and teaching the Word unapologetically and unashamedly and lovingly. And that's the quiet reformation. Um, woke churches emptying, and sound churches that maybe struggled to even hit the 200-person mark for decades, uh, now exploding, or, or at least growing. And so that's happened at Grace Bible Church in Conway, Arkansas, where I'm a member. Um, I've seen it happen with, truly, no exaggeration, dozens of churches in America, in Canada, and beyond. Um, here, here's one last factor, Doc. Some of those woke churches... Um, that aren't exegetical. They're not really preaching the Bible. They're more concerned about exegeting the culture, interpreting and applying the culture, than they are about interpreting and applying the Word yeah. in a faithful, careful way. Those churches have actually helped the Quiet Reformation because they, some of them haven't even been open. So it's not even like this, you know, uh, David versus Goliath church battle, uh, you know, church death match or something like this on MTV. No, it's just been in some cases a case of, well, our church isn't even open because it's following every government you know, decree as if it's law from heaven, and we literally can't worship God, and we need that. Every person out there listening to this podcast desperately needs to worship God for the good of their soul eternally. Uh, and, and so when churches, when churches say, you know what, we don't really need that, not for a week or two or something like that when things have to be sorted out 
but for month after month after month, well, listen, uh, please feel free to keep, keep closed because the sound churches will stay open and uh, they'll welcome sheep and they'll care for them. Very good. You know, it's interesting. I think that's part of the picture. The woke churches as opposed to the churches that are actually uh, preaching and teaching the gospel. But what I had more in mind was people who uh, regularly attend a church um, where uh, most Sundays, if not every Sundays, uh, there are messages about, now you need to be saved and you need to trust in Jesus or else you're going to go to hell. And so let's have an altar call and everybody come down front. But when it comes to the actual preaching, when it comes to the actual sermons, they're not very deep. So I think that most people who are at this credo conference uh, that you guys put on in April of 2021 probably did not go to woke churches. They probably went to churches where it's preached on a regular basis. Jesus is the only way to heaven, and they got that down. But then they were hearing this expository preaching, this actually getting into uh, the, the the text in in scripture and saying, okay, now uh, switch, uh, go over here to this book, and let me tell you how this passage of scripture works into the passage that we've been dealing with. And I think there are a lot of people there who are probably like, wait a minute, I've never heard it done this way before. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very fair point, Doc. I think there's different strands here that you can talk about. The one I just talked about is real yeah. happening. Oh, yeah. And this is another one. No, 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 you're right. This is definitely another one. Um, there, there's different forms of soft Christianity in America. One is the woke-friendly version and the, the Caesar-friendly uh, version that I was just talking about. Yeah. Another form of soft Christianity is um, we just don't really dig into the Bible. We don't talk about the hard parts. We don't define the hard issues. Um, we preach to your free will, um, those sorts of things. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely something happening. When you get a taste for expository preaching, when you have a pastor go verse by verse and explain a passage and not dodge or duck you know, certain clauses because they're controversial or he doesn't like them, Yeah. but when you have a pastor who just sits underneath the word and explains it to the people. Nehemiah 8.8, the priests of Ezra's day, read the law and gave the people the sense of it. They helped them understand it and apply it, in other words. When you have a preacher who does that lovingly week by week, if you're a true believer, you're going to want that. You have an inborn, spirit-powered hunger for the Bible. Yeah. And uh, that's definitely a factor uh, that we're seeing uh, growth in sound churches. Yeah, no question. And, and there, there are going to be, you know, uh, there are going to be pastors who are like, well, I don't want to preach on Romans 9. I don't want to preach on Ephesians 1 and 2 um, because there are some places in the Bible which really rub people the wrong way, whether they're Christians or not. Um, and so this is one of the things that... that uh, that really blessed me when you guys did put the Credo Conference on. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm plugging something that happened almost two years ago instead of something that's <laughs> getting ready to happen. Uh, but it just had such a profound 
uh, impact on me um, and and my wife. What what is your message to pastors who would say, "Well, I'm just supposed to preach the gospel, and I don't want to get involved in politics"? They are supposed to preach the gospel. They're dead right. The problem is the gospel has implications for all of life. Yeah, and uh, and so the gospel creates the lordship of Christ active in a person's life. So when a person trusts Christ, they don't just trust Christ as Savior. They trust Christ as Lord. And that means now that your entire world is shaped around Christ, and that means that your entire worldview is shaped around Christ. And so now you think about everything in terms of Christ and allegiance to him, ultimate allegiance. And if you're following Christ and Christ alone, that means that no one else is your Savior and no one else is your Lord. And that has profound implications for being a citizen, for being a Christian in a society. Here's just one thing to say of many I could, uh, Doc, along those lines. We're in what sociologists call a negative world now in America, at least in large measure, where it used to be a positive reality to be a Christian in a society. It got you social goods. You joined First Baptist in your community, and you had social connections and business connections, and everybody was happy. Now, if it's unearthed, if you're at a, a Fortune 500 or 100 corporation, even in a place like Arkansas, and there's a few we could think of, if it's unearthed that you're a member of a, you know, a clearly Christian congregation, that may well have negative consequences for you. So that's the term, negative world. And um, Christians are just going to have to get used to, in days ahead, um, having the wind in our face. And a lot of Christians aren't used to that uh, here in Arkansas and elsewhere, all throughout the country. And so the more we can do to embrace our countercultural status, knowing that Jesus is our true Lord, the better we're going to do. But that doesn't mean, Doc, that we only go to church and don't confess Caesar as our Lord. It also means that we push back against the darkness as salt and light. And that means all sorts of things. That means taking a stand. It doesn't just mean sitting quietly where we are, um, treasuring Jesus in our heart. It does mean that. But it means our faith has to go public, too. And we're called to be bold witnesses. And I'll just be honest with you, even in the conservative world of evangelicalism, not a lot of Christians are being prepped and commissioned uh, to be salt and light in a bold way. But that's what we desperately need. You know, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN a Christian, prayed for DeMar Hamlin uh, a week or so ago. And it shocked America, Doc. It shocked us all, Christian and non-Christian alike, to see a Christian pray in public. And I'm not saying everybody needs to just, you know, interrupt the business meeting with a prayer all the time, but we need Christians who make their faith go public by the power of the Spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Owen Strand, Dr. Owen Strand, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on the program today. Can't thank you enough for uh, standing up for the gospel and an attempt to try to protect children. Pastor's Story Hour, of course, most of the people listening to Doc Washburn's show are in the other 49 states, but uh, Pastor's Story Hour, we do have a lot of Arkansas listeners too, is uh, going to be this Saturday at 10 a.m., so that is Saturday the 14th at 10 a.m. at the Conway Public Library in Conway, Arkansas. Um, And, uh, of course, uh, I'm sure Dr. Strand would appreciate your prayers as 
there is, you know, always already a uh, a pushback from what I would call the forces of darkness, saying, "Oh, well, that's hate, and we got to go show up and do our own thing or whatever." Um, you know, speaking of which, why do they always use a verb instead of a noun? Shouldn't it be hatred? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why either. Sadly, <laughs> the the English language is getting uh, attacked as much as anything else. But I would just say to Doc, uh, along those lines, because you have listeners across America in, in large measure, do Pastor Story Hour in your community. I'm I'm not presenting it as the third, you know, Great Awakening or something. It's just reading books to kids. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's not let's not shoot the moon here, uh, me or anyone else, but. Let's also not undersell what it can mean for a pastor, a strong man, and, and do we not need strong Christian men today to stand up in a community and uh, and be a friendly or convictional witness? So don't don't look at others doing this, Kirk Cameron or whoever, and go, oh wow, okay, and then sit there. Um, do a pastor story hour yourself, or do an evangelistic event, or something like that. Absolutely. All right, uh, Pastor Owen Strand, people want to find out more about uh, you and your ministry. Um, I guess they go on Facebook, go on Twitter. Your last name is spelled S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. So it's not spelled, uh, you know, it's not pronounced like it uh, It sounds. But uh, uh, anywhere else that, that people uh, would go to find out more about what you do? That's kind. I have a podcast on Spotify and Apple and elsewhere called the antithesis, long word, the antithesis. And then, yeah, the, my Twitter is probably the best place to go. It's at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. Thank you. Very good. All right, Pastor uh, and Dr. Owen Strand, uh, thank you for coming on the Doc Washburn Show today. We wish you Godspeed. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Doc. Keep up the great work. Yes, sir. You too. All right, coming up, breaking news, the second location of the classified documents taken by Joe Biden has been revealed, and the scandal deepens considerably. So is his own party greasing the skids to get rid of him? Wait until I tell you where they found the documents coming up straight ahead. All right, look, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options, and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom 
the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental USA, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating my pillow, the best pillow ever. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets and our my pillows. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams bed sheets. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98 just by using promo code DWS. And right now, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. My pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer for as low as $29.98. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including the My Pillow Giza Dream Sheets for just $29.98. You know, Mike's other passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to our country for years. People approached Mike Lindell with great products, but they had no way of marketing them. MyStore.com was created to give these people a voice and a platform to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins right now. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. I also had no idea a few weeks ago when it was 15 degrees in broad daylight. I had to go grocery shopping. I wore my My Slipper moccasins with no socks, and my feet did not get cold. Wow. Right now, save up to $90 on My Slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals and slides for as low as nineteen ninety eight. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. Now remember, DWS does not stand for the washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, 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 no. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show, MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order today. Just use promo code DWS. All right, now, we got breaking news, and I wonder if Drudge Report has this, because Drudge Report used to have 
used to be a, a clearinghouse of breaking news. And at some point he decided, well, you know, this conservative thing is um, is not working for me. I, I better act like a lib. So let's see. I hardly ever check the Drudge Report, but he does have Biden front and center today and a big red headline, Classified Migraine. And it leads to a, an article from the Associated Press. Let's see. Source says Biden team finds more documents with classified markings. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is the AP story going to see, is it going to say where they found them? I'll bet it doesn't. I'll bet it doesn't. Let's see. Let's see. I'm just taking a look before I get to the article that I have that tells exactly where they found them. And no, no, I don't I don't think they own it here. Let me let me let me look for it a different way. So if you're looking at an article and you're trying to find a word, what you can do is something called control F. Nope, it's not gonna be in there. So Matt is still playing cover up for the ruling regime. Matt Drudge, how far have the mighty fallen? That's uh that's a shame. But Red State is not playing cover for the ruling regime. Breaking second location of classified documents taken by Joe Biden revealed scandal deepens considerably. Our buddy Bonchi over at Red State. The scandal surrounding Joe Biden's illegal possession of classified information is deepening considerably. As Red State reported on Wednesday, a second batch of classified documents taken by Biden was discovered. Now we know where they were discovered. According to the president's special counsel, the documents were found at Biden's family home in Wilmington, Delaware. Some were found in a garage storage space, while at least one other classified document was found in an adjacent room. Oh, my goodness. Were you ready for this? So, he has embedded in the article a tweet from John Roberts over Fox News. Breaking classified documents found in Joe Biden Wilmington garage. And John Roberts, in his tweet, has a screenshot of a statement of Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, whatever that means. Here's what it says. As we stated previously, we are fully cooperating with the National Archives and the Department of Justice in a process to ensure that any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in possession of the archives. Well, um, not until now. Following the discovery of government documents at the Penn-Biden Center in November 2022 and coordinating closely with the Department of Justice, the president's lawyers have searched the president's Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach, Delaware residences. Notice the president's lawyers are searching, not the FBI. Oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, the statement says his lawyers have searched his Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach, Delaware residences. The other locations where files from his vice presidential presidential office might have been shipped in the course of the 2017 transition. 
The lawyers completed that review last night. Yeah, the lawyers, not the FBI. During the review, the lawyers discovered among personal and political papers a small number of additional Obama-Biden administration records with classified markings. All but one of these documents were found in storage space in the president's Wilmington residence garage. One document consisting of one page was discovered among stored materials in an adjacent room. No documents were found in the Rehoboth Beach, Rehoboth Beach residence. As was done in the case of the Penn-Biden Center, the Department of Justice was immediately notified, and the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of these documents. The White House will continue to cooperate with a review by the Department of Justice. Really, so why, uh, why wasn't the FBI called in? to throw documents all over the floor like they, like they did at Mar-a-Lago. What's, what's up with that? Well, I think we all know, right? I mean, come on, give me a break. I think we all know. Now, the great Barrington Martin, philosopher host of the Barrington Report, over on Twitter says, pretty sure these documents have been there for years. Why are they just now being discovered? Who said they would be found in the garage? How did they even know they were in the garage? Why is this just now being discussed? Will Merrick Garland have a press conference about this? Well, a Drudge Report links to an article saying that the uh, Attorney General is going to make a statement. Yes, at 1.15 p.m. Eastern, that would be uh, 12.15 p.m. Central, Attorney General Merrick Garland will make a statement at that time. Justice Department said Thursday without giving a subject. The statement will, however, follow news that Joe Biden's aides found extra classified documents in a second location beyond those discovered in November at a Washington office Biden used after his vice presidency. Yeah, but see, here's the deal. That Washington office didn't open up until over a year after Biden left the Obama White House. Okay? So where were the documents in the interim, in the meantime? That's number one. Number two, a president has the authority to declassify anything he wants to. A vice president, which is what Biden was, does not have that authority. So clearly, a special counsel should have been appointed a while back to investigate Biden, but that's not going to happen. Now, Bonchi at Red State says, keep in mind that we're having to take the word of Biden's own subservience because the FBI has not actually raided any of the president's properties the way they did Mar-a-Lago with Trump. That means the White House continues to have near complete control of the narrative, able to claim they just found these documents without offering a real explanation of how they got there. Still, It is a big deal these were found at Biden's home. It's one thing to claim that a few classified documents got accidentally swept into a box and put in a business office. It's another to have classified documents 
spread out within Biden's personal home, and it belabors belief that they could have gotten there by accident and without Biden's knowledge. In fact, it sure seems as if Biden took these classified documents for the same reason Donald Trump took the ones he did. Namely, he liked them. Why else would they be at his house? And while Trump has a legal argument that he had declassification authority, Biden did not have that while leaving the vice presidency in early 2017 when these documents were taken. While the press constantly points out the so-called differences between the two situations, that seems like a rather relevant one and one they never point out. As a political observer, all this is way too convenient at this point. Classified documents are suddenly found, but the news of them is held until after the midterm election. Then Biden's own lawyers get to conduct searches to root out any more documents he might have, absent any government intervention. What this feels like is an attempt by Biden to sweep the scandal under the rug at the most opportune moment. What better time to turn all this stuff in and avoid further legal scrutiny than after his first midterm and nearly two years before he has to run for re-election? The idea that Biden didn't know about these documents and these discoveries are happening organically doesn't begin to pass the smell test. No, it doesn't, does it? But what I'm wondering is this. If the government didn't know about these documents, why did they even say, hey, by the way, hey, look over here, we got some documents. Why didn't they just get rid of them? And Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray wouldn't have never been the wiser. Are the um, skids being greased to force Biden to resign? Are they going to pull a uh, 25th Amendment on him and say, hey, you got to go, man? I don't know. I mean, I get the idea that conservative commentators are saying, well, look, they wait until after the midterms. But is anyone pointing out that if Biden leaves office more than halfway through his first term, then Kamala gets to run for president not only in 2024, but also in 2028. And the halfway mark of his first term is coming up really soon. It will be two years to the day to the minute from the time he took his oath of office at noon Eastern on January 20th, 2021. So, really curious about that. I really want to know because this should be Big news. But I guarantee you the overwhelming majority of people in this country have not heard about it. They might have heard that uh, President Trump had classified documents at his home, Mar-a-Lago in Florida, but most of them didn't hear that 
oh, by the way, the president has absolute authority to declassify anything he wants to, and each president, each former president, has an office, an official office, that is paid for with our tax dollars and protected by the Secret Service. And so technically, the the Archives Administration of the federal government does have possession of those documents, even if they're in the president's office. You think anybody in the mainstream media was going to try to explain that to Americans? No, 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 no. So it'll be really interesting to see where this goes. Um, because they're going to do everything they can to keep the actual truth from coming out. That's number one. But number two, is this just so much covering for Biden and trying to soft sell what is clearly quite the scandal or are they trying to make it look like it's quite the scandal so they can move him out now more than halfway through his first term? This is the thing. This is what we got to figure out here. And I don't know. I don't know. But I think we'll know soon. If there, if there develops a push to for Biden to resign from his fellow Democrats, don't expect it to really kick in until January twenty first. Okay, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just, I'm just saying if it does, if it does, don't expect it to kick in until January 21st. At which point, if Biden were to leave office for whatever reason, then Kamala would be free and clear to run for president twice. Not only be free and clear to, you know, if he leaves office, she's next in line. And the only way The only way he's going to leave office is if, A, he's forced out, or B, as he said to a, I think it was a CBS reporter a few weeks ago, he's like, well, look, I could drop dead at any moment. Oh, you could. Huh. How about that? Who knew? Wow. Well, people are like, Doc, what about impeachment? Okay, let me go over it one more time. Impeachment means you lose the vote in the House on the articles of impeachment, right? But then the House impeachment managers go over to the Senate and they put on a trial. So you're not kicked out of office unless you lose by a two-thirds vote in the Senate. You have to have 67 senators to vote against you. 
And, you know, it's remarkable to me. Bill Clinton was impeached. Donald Trump was impeached twice. And none of these impeachments resulted in them being removed from office. And yet, how many millions of our fellow citizens believe that if somebody's impeached, that means they get kicked out of office? Oh, you don't want to impeach Biden. Look who's waiting in the wings, Kamala Harris. You're never going to get 67 United States senators to vote to convict Joe Biden. It's not going to happen. Well, why, then why bother impeaching? Because it's the right thing to do. Simply that, because it is the right thing to do. Now, we have more developments on this story coming up in mere moments. But one of the things we chronicle here in the Doc Washburn Show is how crazy our world is these days. I've been talking about it for a long time, how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. Now, a lot of Patriot influencers have come on board with SwitchToAmerica.com. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America, the website, is SwitchToAmerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. That includes their new product, Prime Beef, with no antibiotics, no hormones. This fresh American-raised beef is raised in the mountains near the Yellowstone. This beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics or hormones. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Switch to America today. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and we'll have one of our guys contact you. Switch to America.com. All right, now, always blessed and honored to share with you the best kept secret in American healthcare. 
Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. It's never come back. I had bad migraines, too, year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the migraines went away, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, or for that matter, migraines, psoriasis, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside central Arkansas, Go to their website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. Click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. All right, now, are you ready to start saving money on your monthly cell phone bill while doing the right thing? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important for us to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, if you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. That's right. Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. You can find out more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Of course, use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or 469-FREEDOM. All right, now, classified documents. First of all, found at Joe Biden's private office, It wasn't even open until over a year after he left office as vice president in January of 2017. And the great Byron Donalds, 
Republican congressman from southwest Florida, the uh, Naples-Fort Myers area, who's just starting his second term in the U.S. House. He was on with the uh, hapless Wolf Blitzer on CNN Monday talking about it, and it went something like this. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Let me get your reaction to the breaking news. Uh, uh, you, you know, you're, you're a member of Congress. You deal with classified information. What's your reaction to this? Oh, well, my reaction is pretty simple. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents. But the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So, number one, what was he doing with classified information? in his possession. Number two, why did it take six years? And I want to stress this for the American people. Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important. Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information. But why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out and everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information, period. I don't think Wolf Blitzer liked that answer, but (laughs) that's the end of that clip. Now, now, we go forward. And by the way, a big thank you uh, and a hat tip to Yossi Gestetner. Gestetner, let me pronounce it correctly. He's a data-driven strategist who created the Economic Stress Index. He writes over at Substack, and he just has a whole lot out there about this breaking story he's got a screenshot from back in uh, february 2016 politico picture of hillary top clinton advisor sent top secret messages to her private account yeah 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 but you know comey said no no reasonable prosecutor would you know bring charges on her right and so on monday january 9th yasi gestetner is saying If classified documents made it to a rarely used office, can you imagine what is going on elsewhere? What are the odds that all his documents made it to that office? Team Biden will likely now destroy whatever is out there. And the Team Biden disclosed it quickly spin ignores the fact that, A, he should never have had the documents in the first place, Uh, B, Six years is not quickly. C, it was found seven days before the midterms was made public only now in January. And D, if a rarely used office had documents, uh, he's going to have more elsewhere. Biden either collected all his classified documents and intentionally kept them at his private office, which would be illegal, or since a rarely used office had documents, There are likely more documents elsewhere on Biden properties, which would also be illegal, which is it? So then on Tuesday, January 10th, CNN says, 
They were found in three or four boxes that also contained unclassified papers that fall under the Presidential Records Act, among boxes with personal Biden family stuff. Now, again, recall that Trump mixed up documents with non-classified stuff, and that was a key attack on what they called his recklessness. Got it? Politico. GOP races to suggest Trump equivalency and Biden-linked classified documents. Really? No, no, no. This is a lot worse than anything Trump did. Again, Trump had declassification powers. Biden, no. If we rarely use Biden office as documents, there are more. Where? Not to mention Mar-a-Lago had U.S. Secret Service protection. Biden properties did not until two years ago. And again, this is found a week before the midterms, yet it took months to be publicly revealed. Right? So the mainstream media coverage with Trump in the first few days of the Mar-a-Lago story was how treasonous, reckless, and dangerous it was that a president with declassification powers had documents at a location that was used as part of his presidency. Now, what they're talking about is how speedily Biden returned these documents, or his people did, not that they were unsecured for six years. Who ascertained that they disclosed it quickly? In fact, it took two months from the supposed find until the public heard about it. Also, who sends attorneys to pack up boxes. Attorneys were brought in after the find. Amazing how people buy unsubstantiated talking points. Well, of course they do, Yossi, because they have D's by their names. I mean, how's that hard to understand? From December 2022, quoting now, the lawyers searched Trump Tower in New York City, his golf club at Bedminster, New Jersey, and two other properties to fully comply with a federal subpoena to turn over any classified documents from Trump's presidency, unquote. Okay? So Yossi Gestetner asked the question, will the Justice Department issue such a subpoena to Biden? Again and again and again, the claim without evidence that documents were immediately returned clownishly suggests that no classified Biden documents exist elsewhere but for in a rarely used office. What is done to check on the rest? This was from Yossi Gestetner at 5.27 in the morning Central Time, Wednesday, January 11th. Returned immediately. Independently, that, 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 that claim returned immediately, independently confirmed by no one. Again, what about documents elsewhere with Biden? Trump having documents for 18 months at a location used as a presidential outpost was a big scandal. So how does this lie about immediate return excuse the risk of documents being around in Biden's office for years? For years, unsecured for six years. All right, now, now. Late Wednesday afternoon, January 11th, here we go. Documents found at another Biden location. Yossi Gestetner says from the start, 48 hours earlier, I yelled that saying immediately returned. That excuse does not address the documents elsewhere. 
It made no sense that all his documents were in a rarely used location. Most people saying Republicans are idiots or conservatives are losers focused the previous 48 hours on how the documents made it to his rarely used office at the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C. There was little push on the main point. If he has documents there, he sure has them elsewhere. And what is done to account for that? Okay, now, Yossi Gestetner asking late Wednesday evening, January 11th, what is the second location where they found more classified documents? Why was this not reported initially with the first batch? Why did it take nine weeks between officially finding the first batch of documents to it being reported to the public? All this from a team that supposedly immediately reported it all. All right. Then Thursday morning, January 12th, 2023, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, White House admits that classified documents were found at Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. Reminder that the mere existence of such documents with Trump was talked about as treason and recklessness. You know, I, I'm old enough to remember the uh, presidential historian Michael Beschloss saying that Trump should be executed for that. You remember that? He didn't want to talk about this. What a shock. Also, those documents sat around for over six years while Trump's only 16 months. The classified documents of Biden's house in his garage. Remember, the concern the feds had with the Trump documents being in a room that they thought maybe was not secure enough? Well, here they were in a garage. And again, Biden doesn't have Secret Service protection until a couple of years ago. How many years were they sitting in his garage? So when are we going to hear from um, Joe Scarborough, David Korn, D.C. Bureau Chief of Mother Jones, Neil Katyal, Supreme Court lawyer, law professor who's on MSNBC all that. When are we going to hear from any of these folks? Yossi Gestetner continues, basically morons. The Garland DOJ knew that every former president or vice president has documents, so they decided to hit Trump on his. Yet not one former president or vice president spoke up in defense of Donald Trump when the DOJ behaved like Putin's attack team. No honor, no integrity, shameless degenerates. Nobody spoke up for Trump. Nobody. Mike Pence? No, no, no. Barack Obama? No, no, no. Joe Biden? No, no, no. George W. Bush? Dick Cheney? Are you kidding me? Bill Clinton? Al Gore? No. I don't think we even heard from Dan Quayle, did we? With Trump, part of the scandal was that the documents were packed up with personal items like newspaper clippings. But here, with Biden, the documents were in a garage and where a drunk, reckless, foreign-hired son had access to it at will. Hunter immediately returned. What, after six years? Come on. Team Biden suddenly finds documents at the Penn-Biden Center. They immediately report it. 
than they were when looking at his home? I mean, shouldn't the concerned DOJ have unleashed agents at all of Biden's properties to quickly secure documents and assure that none are shredded? Huh? Huh? Biden on Tuesday, a day after the document story broke, said he didn't know documents were at his office at the Penn Biden Center. Biden on Thursday saying documents in my home were secured since it was locked next to my Corvette. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, he said it. I'm sure if Trump had a Corvette, all would be forgiven. Let's check it out. Here we go, here we go. Classified material next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Oh, that does it then. That does it then. And again, counsel to the president claims the DOJ permitted them to do their own search of Biden properties after finding documents in November at the Penn Biden Center. The search was comp- completed last night. So Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a U.S. attorney only when news leaked three days ago. Over to you, Joe Scarborough, MSNBC, morning joke. By the way, a video taken in 2020 shows the door of Biden's supposedly secure garage fully open as Biden's backing his uh, car in, his Corvette, and there are no visible measures against campaign staff or Hunter's foreign sponsors from accessing the stolen documents. By the way, White House statement didn't say how many documents there were. Unlike in Mar-a-Lago, where the documents were deep inside the compound and in a room where people didn't come and go from at will, like in a garage, the Biden documents were a mere few feet from the outside for over six years as opposed to Trump's 18 months. You know, I'm not saying there's a double standard of justice here, but there's a double standard of justice. I mean, what in the world? What in the world are we dealing with here? And is anyone going to do anything about it? See, the problem is a lot of people don't realize, people, uh, conservatives get really upset and frustrated and impatient with Republicans in Congress. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I mean, what can they do about it? You know, um, they don't have the power to force the Justice Department to do anything. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Very important, very important point here from Alex Bruschwitz, CEO of X Strategies LLC. Joe Biden just admitted he was holding classified documents in his Delaware garage next to his Corvette. This is very troubling. Given the fact that the Biden White House refuses to release the visitor's log from his Delaware home. You know, 
where he goes almost every weekend. So who has had access to these documents? From October 2022, Team Biden's bizarre dodges on Delaware visitor logs make the president look very guilty. And he links to the New York Post article. See, I hadn't even thought about that. Hadn't even thought about that. So Natalie Winters, co-host of Steve Bannon's War Room, has a tweet a few hours ago, breaking, Hunter Biden met with then-Vice President Joe Biden and University of Pennsylvania President Amy Gutman in 2016 at the White House. Well, you know, the Communist Chinese Party was funding millions. They were laundering millions of dollars to the University of Pennsylvania, and Biden was getting paid a million a year to have the title of professor and have this Penn Biden Center in D.C., although he never taught a class. He'll say he did, but he didn't. Oh, my goodness. And just a few days later, here is a screenshot. Also checked Hunter's laptop in this email regarding the Penn Biden Center is fascinating. Item four, wealth creation. If you uh if you want to take a look at this, you need to get on Twitter and the screenshot from Hunter's laptop from this email from Hunter's laptop is is that a uh, a profile on Twitter called Titania nine seven seven. Better yet, just go to the website BidenLaptopEmails.com. Yeah, did you know you can look at Hunter's laptop? It's online. Sure can. Sure can. Yeah, yeah, you know, it it seems that uh, Biden's garage isn't necessarily always locked because we got video of him taking his Corvette in and out. Right? Jonathan Turley, just a couple hours ago, the great legal law professor, liberal law professor, says, Biden just said the documents found in his garage are in a locked garage like his Corvette. The Corvette standard is actually not in classified protocols. The White House counsel could now cite the longstanding slogan for Corvette, like a car, only better. (laughs) The Corvette statement was remarkably ill-considered. It was a cringeworthy moment. After being given a carefully worded statement by his lawyers and staff, Biden ad-libbed and suggested that his locked garage was a secure space for classified material. Now, T. Beckett Adams, columnist over the D.C. Examiner, says, in case you think Jonathan Turley is being facetious, he is not. And he links to a tweet from the White House correspondent for Bloomberg, Jordan Fabian, who says, ask what he was thinking, storing the documents next to his car. Biden responded, by the way, my Corvette is in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like it's sitting out in the street. Oh, my goodness. 
This is just nuts. Hey, we got a longer clip. We got a longer clip of Peter Ducey and Biden. So let's uh, let's go to this longer clip from just a few uh, just a, a few minutes ago. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me. Uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people. And by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway, in a yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately notified, and the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see. We're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's that. Just remarkable. Just remarkable. Oh, I like this response from uh, James Patrick. Attorney James Patrick over Twitter. He says, as long as classified documents were next to a Corvette and not next to an old Chrysler or Dodge, the security requirements were clearly satisfied. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Wow. Will Collier, of course, says you or I would go to jail for that. Ditto Hillary and very probably ditto Trump. Well, no, not ditto Hillary. I mean, they're trying to figure out a way to get Trump in jail, but not Hillary. No, no way. Wait, Lindsey Graham has something to say about this? Lindsay, we gonna get to the bottom of this, Sean. Sean, wait and see, Sean. Lindsey Graham says this morning, if you believe a special counsel is necessary to assure the public about the handling of classified documents by Donald Trump, you you should apply a special counsel to the mishandling of classified documents by Biden when he was vice president. Okay, Lindsay, that's just great, Lindsay. That's just great. We'll pat you on the head. Wait till next time. This whole thing's jacked up. I'm just here to tell you. The whole thing is jacked up. All right, so it's been uh, an interesting day here on the Doc Washburn Show. So it's always we get to a point where it's time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. All right. Today's tweet of the day 
is from Mark Thomas, Chief AI Officer, Vice President of Information Technology. He's over there on Twitter, has a Ph.D. in physics, AI, MS, meteorology, psychology. Man, he's truly a renaissance man. He says, just a reminder, just a reminder that a volcano in Greece has put more CO2 in the atmosphere in the last 24 hours than humans have in our entire existence. Thank you, Brother Mark Thomas. We appreciate it. And thank you to Mitch Ward and the crew at Red River Your Way for sponsoring our tweet of the day each and every day. You've been listening to episode 320 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof of a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Thursday, January 12th, 2023.